You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Well, hello, Allison. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Allison, for those who haven't come across you online, tell our listeners your name and tell them why we're talking tonight. Sure. Um, So my name is Allison Brennan. Um, I am actually a pharmacist um, in a hospital in Nashville. I'm in uh, pharmacy administration. Um, And I actually started my own skincare line in January called Imaging & Co. It's a natural skincare company um, with the pharmacist background of the science behind the natural ingredients. Who's your biggest competitor for your skin cream? Right now, it's probably just very small uh, local indie groups um, because I'm so brand new starting out, but um, it's grown so fast that I'm starting to learn, I would say, in this fourth quarter who my competitors really are. And they're your main competitors because you sort of put yourself in that position when you go and talk to people. Yeah, I would say so. Um, For me personally in this company... Um, I mean, I'm still working full time. And so this is something I do when I come in on two wheels um, and do until about two o'clock in the morning and then on the weekend. So everything's e-commerce. Um, there's no brick and mortar. So very local um, pop-ups. I was just in Memphis this past weekend for a pop-up and I have um, 11 wholesalers. So 11 stores that carry me, including a dermatology clinic and three med spas. So it's really those smaller um, natural skincare companies. And I would say the thing that that I really put my stamp on as I grow this company to kind of set me aside, you know, set me apart, I guess I should say, um, is the fact that there's a lot of people that claim natural skincare and don't really know the science behind the ingredients. And so having that medicinal chemistry background, which is really where I nerd out a lot, um, is where I can speak to the importance of the ingredients and why they're important and how they break down into being important for the skin. Okay, so your business, you're selling online, but when you sell to these places, they end up selling face-to-face to the... Yes. To their to consumer, people, right. To the mm-hmm. consumers. Now, right. when you say pop-up, is this like one of those flash mobs where you say that Allison's <laughs> going to be here and the whole city comes and like gangs up? What does that mean, a, a pop-up? So a pop-up is, is kind of like what you just said. That's so funny. Um, where the masses collide. <laughs> um, so really think of think of like a farmer's market or, or think of a maker's market, right? Like a holiday market. Um, it's announced months in advance. People might buy tickets to come. Um, it's, it's several different vendors. You know, it's anything. It could really be anything from jewelry to home goods to paper goods, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, and then skincare and beauty is a part of that. Well, for a pop-up, a pop-up is where it's usually announced right before, let's say, a week. Um, it's really like a, a you drop it on people for them to really go to, number one, increase the business at the business that is hosting the pop-up. So you're usually coordinating or collaborating with another business. Um on top of really getting your followers to come in there to see you to, you know, purchase some of your products to be able to speak about skincare. Personally, for me, I was able to really do a lot of um, skincare education. Is the essence of the short time, does that make it more desirable? Like, like you're going to 
pop up like it's a surprise thing? I mean, is it better to only give a week than to give a month? Is there something desirable about having short notice or or not necessarily? I think it's really in the eyes of the beholder. You, you know, I think that it could take a couple of different forms. For me personally, if I, I'm a consumer, we're all consumers. Um, but as a consumer, it really is that desirable effect. Um, and if you're going to do a pop-up, it's tough for a business that doesn't have many people that might be your return customers to know to come to you, right? So let's say that you're a brand new business and you're doing a pop-up, but you're you're partnering with a, a local business that has a very good clientele or customer base. It's where you can offer your expertise, for instance, in this case of skincare education, um, as well as offering products that might not be carried in that store. That's the opportunity to do that. Or it's the opportunity just to come meet the maker. Um, So it's just a very personable kind of approach to a sale. Really? When they're selling this, do they let them know that this is Allison's stuff and this is her, you know, this is her thing? They already know there's like a, a person behind it. Yes. Yes. So for, for my brand, um, my brand is is featured as a pharmacist formulated skincare brand. So it's um, like I said, that's where I really hope to really separate myself from the market. Right. So when when this might be marketed, let's say, or advertised as meet the maker or it's a pop up, it is the availability of products as well as products that might not be offered in the line that they are carrying. I mean, I have 22 products and let's say of of store picks up nine. Okay, I can bring all 22. um, So it appeals to the your your following and your customers that are already loyal customers to come in and say, oh, instead of, let's say, paying shipping or um, shipping that to me, I can actually go and just pick it up from the store. I was already planning on going in that store to get a gift for someone. Okay. The other piece of that is where you're talking about meeting the maker is very niche in what I'm doing. For instance, if someone's coming in to meet me, it's not that they just get to shake hands, you know, and say, oh, there's a face there. They should already know the story. It's available on my website as well as that is part of the the stores that carry me, I'm very, I personally set those accounts up, me personally. So I I want them to know what they're selling. That's very important to me um, for them to know it's a pharmacist that formulated this. She's going to be in our store. If you have questions about skincare in general, a regimen of her line of top to bottom, what would be appropriate for your skin type? She's here to answer all of those questions. So that's that's the appeal for a pop up in this type of market. The other thing for me, honestly, Mike, is I'm really big on relationships. I'm really big on building that with someone. I don't plan on building this business into um, a this this multi country business, although that would be wonderful. For me, it's all about relationship building. I want people to trust me and the advice that I would give them as a pharmacist to 
improve their skin health. You know, it's not just about beauty. It's really about improving the, the health of your skin. So I think that to build that relationship builds trust. And then as they build trust, they'll try a product. And if they like that, they'll come back and say, okay, this is really what I'm looking for. Can you suggest or recommend a couple other products? And at that point, I can recommend based off that trust I have with them, which is really important to me. And then I have a repeat customer. So when I have those repeat customers, they are the people that kind of spread those, the arms of growing the company. It, it's wild what this little company has done in a year of just word of mouth before I even started to sell to the wholesale clientele and, and stores and dermatology clinics, you know? Do people ever come up and want to take a selfie with you? That's so funny. I'm 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 not that big of a celebrity. <laughs> I know, but I want to ask it. I I will I'll be honest, yes. I mean, just this past weekend in Memphis, I had just a couple. Yeah, and and the the clientele I had were people I know and I don't know. So some were people that I know and then there were a couple of people I did not know. Yes. All right, here's the follow-up. Have they asked for your autograph? But but asking for the selfie is the same thing. No, I have not gotten an autograph. Yeah, you don't get autographs anymore. It's a selfie. I know it's that proof. I, I used to have a little diary and I was big baseball, really big into baseball. And I would take this little yellow diary with Donald Duck on the front of it to Atlanta Braves games. And I would sit outside as they were coming out of the locker room with my parents and just sit there asking for autographs. Because, you know, back then, that's the proof that you got to see them in real life. We would do that at Disney World and you'd get one from like Mickey Mouse. And the next day, it would be totally different. Now, that guy was on drugs <laughs> or there's something fishy going on there. That autograph, what, what, what was that all about? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Two o'clock in the morning. What time were you going to bed three years ago? Let's say before I started this company, before, you know, children changed, changed the routine. I don't know, maybe 10, 30 or 11. All right. So you're up till two some nights now. Yes. Every night, usually. Every night. What's your mind thinking at one? At one, it's how much more can I get done without getting sloppy in the next 30 minutes and then clean up. What are you doing at one? Um, it, you know, it's different. Um, it's funny because I'm starting to find my, my groove at it's it's so funny you're asking that I was just thinking about this two days ago so I am at my strongest my most alert I've had dinner I've had um you know I've helped with bath time I've put you know a daughter to bed and then I'm I'm really sharp in that I put my music I have my routine I put my music on um I create a sterile field and I start whatever I'm batching that night because I'm still doing full-blown making. I have two employees and a delivery person as well. So any of the really complicated products that I offer, which are serum, serums or, or items that have an oil phase and a water phase and a heat and a cool phase, things like that, um, I'm still doing all of that making. So it's bulking about 100 units at a time. And I'm only usually going to pick about one. Um, that I'm going to do. And I'll, I'll say I've got about two and a half strong hours of that. And then, and, and what's crazy, I'm learning as a small business owner, you're doing that, but you have so many other plates that are spinning in your mind, right? So I'm doing this and you don't want to mess up something. So you're staying focused just because like a pharmacist, you know, checking or mixing or whatever. But then I've got I need to send those receipts to the accountant. I still need this bulk packaging that I need to order. What are my par levels on that? Because I keep pars. Um, 
okay, I have that email marketing uh, that needs to go out and that SEO strategic management meeting tomorrow after work. Okay, what are the other things I need to do in my household? I've got 60 loads of laundry I haven't done. So, you know, it's it's all of these things that never stop. So then I would say once I'm finished batching, um, and, and what I have now is there's, you know, it's everything from the beginning to the filling, to the labeling, to the heat sealing, to the sales. I do all of that. Where from? Home? Uh, from my home. I create a sterile field in my home. There's gloves, there's masks, everything's ice, uh, alcoholed, um, you know, all of those type of things. Um, all of the stainless steel is alcoholed. All of the beakers are alcoholed. All of those things happen before I even start the mixing. That, that one o'clock time kind of comes right as I'm probably, I'm, I've already finished or I'm right at the last bit of finishing. So what my, my groove is lately is I change the music, right? <laughs> I change what, I change it to the bring you down music. And I sit at my table, which is actually behind me right now with laptop. I have a printing station, thermal printer. I have a third party shipping integrated, um, software and I go ahead and pack orders. So I will pack orders for 30 minutes, but I usually had done that maybe in the first hour of coming home. So it's the last bit of doing that. I pack them up for the delivery girl to come the next day. Um, yeah. So, so it's really that last bit of the night is where the struggle really is. If you're, you don't want to have to think too hard because that's when I do my, my weighing and my labeling, or I'll take care of a couple of admin things that I've already got, you know, ready to send. You have people at your house that late? No, 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 no. It's just me and my husband and my daughter, but the other girls that help me, I, I actually have a chemotherapy technician that I've known for 10 years. So she's a seven on seven off employee. So on her seven off, she is able to come here and she makes six of the 21 products. Um, so I create the sterile field for her. And these are the ones that are easier to make without all the complicated you know, cooling and heating and water and oil and emulsifiers. And um, she does that. And then she also will then take things to her home and she heat seals there. Um, and she creates the bath products that don't require a sterile field. And then another girl I have who is actually one of my employees at the hospital. Um, I'm a clinical manager, so I manage 20 pharmacists. And she is one of my staff members at the hospital. She's my ER pharmacist and um, she will actually stay at her house and she does all of the labeling. So let's say I create all of these, you know, skincare products and I don't have, you know, till two in the morning to be labeling and heat sealing. She does all of those things after her daughter goes to bed because that doesn't require a sterile field. You know, I will, I will pack everything up. I mean, it looks like I am literally moving houses every day of the week in my car and so we we meet up and she she takes it and she labels and heat seals and then she brings it back to me. Are there city regulations? I'm, I mean, I'm. it's not like I'm cooking a meth lab. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I'm picturing pictures of uh, Breaking Bad, you know, here. Have you seen the show? Oh, should I get a big RV? I mean, don't say it hasn't crossed my mind. Maybe I should get an RV. I'm thinking your house is covered with all the... The blue tarps. Yeah, the blue tarp and stuff. <laughs> no, no, because it's not illegal anything that I'm doing is legal. But at the same time, you know, I, as a pharmacist, and I think this is where it's really interesting you bring this up. 
in the skincare world, and I'm learning so many things in this, as I have gone down rabbit holes of this, as I, as I actually started, you know, I found the passion for this and it really stems back to a very pertinent moment for me. But as I started down this rabbit hole, as a pharmacist, you know, first and foremost, to go to those places to look at the things of what are your regulations from the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act, right? Um, you know, you already are very aware of what those acts say, but but you're used to it from a drug perspective. So now I'm focusing on this cosmetic piece and making sure that everything's legit and everything's kosher. So I do that, and that really comes down to your labeling and what you're offering. Okay, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm treating anything, diagnosing or preventing, right? So then you start to think, and as a pharmacist, there's a difference between knowing the science behind ingredients, but also you think about all the other things that are available if there's no regulations in that market. There are people that can put out skincare and actually have no science behind it, no, any, no anything, right? And it, and it gets scary. The other piece of this, it's that is very mind-blowing to me, is this all started for me when um, I'll be 40 in December, and I was 38, and I remember taking, I was like, I'm going to start to take better care of my skin, and I bought a vitamin C serum. It's a very you know potent antioxidant serum. I paid 150 bucks for it, right? I turn on the back of it, and I'm reading the label, and I don't see ascorbic acid anywhere. And I know as a pharmacist, that's what vitamin C is. Okay, so where is it? I see a metabolite of it. So then I literally start Googling. So I start to Google and go down, like I said, a rabbit hole of knowledge and realizing, okay, there's there's synthetic esters and there's pure and why you don't use one over the other. And then I start to see what the racket is of the skincare industry, the toxic ingredients, the the prices on skincare that, I mean, as a consumer, I've paid, you know, we're, we're human beings. And so we like um, certain things in our packaging, certain things in our smells, certain things in, in the feel of products. And I think about all this, as well as what you just said about, you know, the regulations of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. And I'm like, this is mind blowing. What? No, everyone needs to know this knowledge. And so a goal for me in 2021, because I have really outgrown my kitchen. I've outgrown my home. I mean, I have a, a warehouse basically in every closet in my home of packaging and raw materials um, is a warehouse space in 2021. So there is a central location for not just storage, but also mixing and compounding and all of those things. Where's that going to be? Um, I've got a couple of places I'm looking. It would be between my hospital where I work and my home. How far is that? Uh, within 10 miles. I, I drive in Nashville. The traffic's pretty bad. Um, but I drive 23 miles to my hospital. And how long does that take you? <laughs> that's that's what's crazy. Um, my previous facility that I was at, which is a sister facility of where I am now, I was our I was our neuropharmacy specialist for nine years, and so that's downtown Nashville. So that was 21 miles for me, and that took 45 minutes. And you you really had about a 10 minute window of when it could be 35 to 45 minutes, right? Um, and so now I drive 23, 24 miles, and it's literally the exact same because I'm actually doing back roads 
Oh, I gotcha. You're doing backwards, so it still takes the same amount of time, just there's less traffic. Right. So you can look at your phone more often and not have as much of a chance of getting into a wreck with another car. Don't shush me. I know... <laughs> I know how that works. You know exactly how it works because, you know, you're leaving one, I'm leaving one full-time career, you know, of managing people and administration. And then I'm like, okay, that's really the only time I have alone is that 35 to 45 minutes before I get home and start a, a whole other job while I'm also trying to parent and be a wife. What time do you leave in the morning to go to work? 7.15. And what time do you get home? Well, I'll pick my daughter up and she's right around the corner at, at her daycare. So I'd say I get home by five. Have you become a better or worse employee for the hospital now that you're doing this? Because some people, they love the commotion, right? You know, having all this stuff going on. But some people could say, oh, I like that thing I'm doing at night. And compared to that, this stuff during the day is kind of a drag. We don't want to get you in trouble here, but... <laughs> no, no. Listen, I'm I'm full disclosure of everything. Um, let me ask you a question first before I answer that. Are you familiar with the Enneagram? Yeah, you put all the stuff in and mine always comes out and it says I'm a fat old guy. <laughs> no, no, that's actually not one of the result uh, types of the Enneagram. For me, it is. You have to look up in the <laughs> appendix. It's got like an asterisk and it says, go look in the back. And my wife and everybody, they get the, you know, I'm a one and a three or I'm aggressive. Mine always comes out to fat and old. Well, mine comes out to a full blown three and the three is the achiever. So what I have found through, I was a, I was a, actually a psychology major and graduated with a psychology major, a BS in psychology, and then a minor in chemistry and biology before I went into pharmacy school. That's why I say I really focus on relationships and understanding people and building that trust with them. Um, so the Enneagram for me is is crazy because it put words to how the lens that I see people through and my actions. So for me, I'm a three, which is the achiever. And what the achiever is, is exactly what it sounds like, but they can run themselves ragged because they're a chameleon, right? They know how to work in a lot of different places. They're charismatic people, but they, they're workhorses usually, and they don't know how to just sit and be. So I would say I've actually become a better employee now that I've got a groove, because what I do is I've got this focus when I'm at work at really just maximizing that space, right? I'm, I'm managing people and putting out fires all day. And it's different because it's not patient care for me anymore. I mean, I was taking care of neuro patients, you know, for 13 years and then come into this space. So I would say I, I leave it all on the table, right, when I'm at the hospital. And then I've got that 35 to 45 minute window, which is really my time to just be. And I don't know how to do that. So I'm, I'm multitasking on that drive home. It's phone call meetings, you know, it's uh, visibility and content of social media. It's already loaded, right? It's really becoming more efficient in any space that I'm in. It's ready, boom. It, you got to do this, boom. And it takes a while to get there. And then when I get home, I would say where I'm probably become um, the worst is where I'm trying to balance that um, family time with what that achieving is. Because this is very achieving for me, as well as my my career during the day. And, uh, and 
and then you you are a mother and a wife. And so when I come home, I'm I'm really starting to become more intentional because I'm aware of of my actions to put the phone down, to be un, uninterrupted, even for an hour. You know, that hour I'm learning now goes a long way um, instead of trying to multitask. But I'm not perfect at it, you know. But I would say when it comes to an employee, um, I'm, my, my boss is very well aware of, of my company. Um, I'm very careful not to skew lines. I take that very, very personally. I want to make sure that he understands that and I understand that and, and I'm transparent with him. But, um, I'm not going to say there wasn't a time where, you know, you're trying to manage so many things and I wouldn't say I, I thrive in chaos. It's more of building right? It's this building momentum. But now that I've got a really great groove, I can literally focus and turn off one thing and then focus and turn off the other. Like you say, you can you can keep getting better. You can improve that. When you move to your warehouse, by that time, will you have enough people that you're not coming home then at 930 or 10 or 11 at night, or will you come home and never go back? Or are you going to quit your job by then? It's all of those things are such a, they're up in the air because I don't know what that looks like yet. And, and, you know, I didn't, if you would have asked me, like you said, was I, what time was I going to bed three years ago? Um, if you would have asked me what I was going to do three years ago, it, this was never on the radar. And it's, it's like, it's opened up this desire and this creativity and I'm very math and science based. And, and I think that as a pharmacist or as someone who has, a, I mean, chemistry is where I really thrive. When you have all of those things, you feel like you lose creativity in the sense that society thinks we're creative. And I think what I've done is I have found a way to marry creativity with that math and science kind of black and white background. And I want to grow that in any capacity, but I want to do it right. I don't want to sacrifice the integrity of my brand or ingredients or what I have built already. So when I look at what the warehouse would be like, I would have never thought that I would have been doing this and it would have done what it's done in a year. So if anything, it's instilled confidence to say, not to sound too cheesy, but like you hear all these people like dream big and, you know, all these things. I'm an achiever and I just would have never even thought I was doing this and here I am. And so I'm very open to what that picture might look like. Um, I think that, um, I mean, my husband tells me I, I've outgrown our, our house with this business. So that's the goal for a warehouse. Now, that also means that employees will have to come. So then I can start to have a little better balance. I have spoken to my boss about in 2021, uh, let's sit down and have an open, honest conversation. I actually love my job. I'm not looking to ever scale back at this point, but or, or to quit my job, I guess I should say. But I have said, we might need to look if that's a possibility of me going down to four days a week. Can we just talk about it? Can we see if it's doable um, and then go from there? You know, so th that's really been the only conversation I've had other than, you know, him being aware of what I'm doing. And when I'm at the hospital, I'm at the hospital. When I'm here, I'm doing this. Why did you say you wouldn't quit your job or only go down to four days? So for me, I am I'm white knuckling those reins, right? 
I'm trying to manage a bunch of different things in my life at once. So a little background for me to take on employees was a big kind of loosening up of, of, of that control and hiring the right people, hiring the right drive, the right consistency, the right um, attention to detail. I've got those girls and they believe in the brand. They believe in the growth. All right. So that's that's the first baby step. Right. The second baby step for me would be to go down at a conservative level. I am a an aggressive go for it type. I mean, that's what I'm doing with this company. However, I'm also wanting to be very smart in what that looks like. The good thing is that I have a pharmacist degree and license to fall back on always. Always, always. And I can, and I count that actually as a blessing. But to go from what I'm doing to just completely cold turkey and going into this, number one, pharmacy is what got me here. Dance with the one who brung you. Yes. Seeing what got you there, right? So that honestly is what got me here. And I will not turn my back on that. But what that means for me is eventually I would love to be one day every couple. I mean, I would love to be a PRN employee at some point, but that all depends on the growth of this company. So I want to scale it right. I don't want to scale too fast, too aggressively while I'm taking this down. It's like a, you know, it's a balancing scale. It's not because you love pharmacy so much that you couldn't leave it. You know, I do love it. I love it because, because the thing is, is that I was actually going to vet school. When I was at my undergrad and getting a BS in psychology, I was wanting to go to vet school and I was wanting to actually be an equine leg surgeon. I rode horses competitively um, for years and I wanted to go and I wanted to save all the racehorses legs, right? Don't you just shoot them? <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> I ain't no jockey. I, I'm just past the size limit. Just past it. I grew up on a very large family farm. I grew up on about a 5,000 5, acre family farm and I grew up riding my whole life. Um, so I'm a very, I'm a big country girl at heart. I wanted to go to school, right? And for that, and I would be in school for 18 years, 18 years. And in that 18 years, I would be in so much debt. I would end up hating what brought me there. I'm just teasing about the horses. They don't shoot them, do they? Of course they do. Now they just put them down humanely, unless you're out on the farm and maybe they might shoot them. <laughs> but I mean, that still happens. There's a lot of things that happen behind closed doors. But you wanted to save them. Well, it was more of, you know, that competitive edge of, 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 of an athlete. And I love the intricacies of what that entailed. And so long story short, I, I went and shadowed a vet when I was still in undergrad. She is the one who talked me out of it. She said, don't hate what ultimately your love was to bring you here. And she talked realistically and logistically about what the profession looks like. And I was so grateful for it. Um, and so I, I was just like, I've built my entire, you know, childhood at that point wanting to do this. What does this look like for me? And I ultimately settled on pharmacy because I, I love molecular breakdown of anything. And so at that point, you know, 13 years ago, pharmacy looked different than it does now. All I knew was facility, hospital and, and retail, you know, and it was insane what they would give you to go to pharmacy school. Um, and so I was like, well, good God, of course, I'm going to go to pharmacy school. And I get and I get to look at drugs and molecular P, you know, I'm a total med chem nerd. And I was like, well, done. And so I went to pharmacy school. 
and got through it. So I think I'm loyal. And so that's why I, I would never want to give it up. But when I say give it up, I mean, I'm just as burnt out at times as anybody else who's a pharmacist. Pharmacy is a tough career as any health profession career is. Um, we're the first ones to call when you need something and we're the first ones to call to blame. You know, and, and I, I, I mean, I see that in the hospital and I think that pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare professional that don't get paid that homage that they offer whether it's retail or hospital, and we're just kind of like forgotten about. I'm not saying that I would ever not give it up, meaning I'm full-time as a pharmacist and full-time. If my company that I have grown from blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of exhaustion grows to a place that is sustaining the life that I want for me and my family, of course that's going to take over my life. But I would love to still at this point be working one day every couple of weeks as a pharmacist. I don't ever want to forget that knowledge base that brought me there. All right. First of all, the horses. <laughs> I'm back on that now. Let's talk about the horses. It's probably more humane to shoot them, don't you think? Because that's got to be a hard comeback. Yeah. I mean, so if you're talking about shooting them or just... No, shooting them or... Rehabbing them. Or a vet who wants to rehab them. Wouldn't it be better? And I'm all for animals mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, I eat them. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm all for... <laughs> <laughs> I wow. He went there. He really went there. <laughs> I'm I'm all for animals. I'm I'm just kind of like picking at you now, but it'd be easier on the animal. There's a reason why they shoot horses. It's not just because they're not valuable anymore, is it? Or is it because that it would be such a hard comeback? A couple of things. That's why I wanted to get into that specialty. Cuz I wanted to do exactly what, yeah, I wanted to change it. Even if it was a challenge, you wanted to do that. Yes. And then the other thing about vets is you got to buy those gloves that go all the way up to your shoulders, if you know what I mean, right? I know exactly what you mean. I've worn those gloves plenty of times growing up on a farm. That can't be any fun. It was fun. In the winter, it might be okay, but... <laughs> You know, when it comes back to the horses, you're absolutely right. Like there's an elimination tactic or there's a rehab tactic. So when you rehab a horse and you rehab a, let's say a race, a racetrack horse, it doesn't mean rehabbing them to be in race shape again. That, that all, that, that is very diamond in the rough type of stuff. They can be rehabbed to just be a horse, to be a horse. And horses are cathartic for a lot of people. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of rehab and therapy that is studied and proven to be wonderful for people. So that's one piece of rehab. There's also a piece of rehab to have them at stud. You know, there's a lot of horses and, and that's what you really hear now as someone who watches races is that if someone had a, an injury, they will rehab them to just be stand a stud or a mare, you know. We have a, a little cottage 30 minutes north of Grand Rapids and, um, my sons, we were fishing for the first time and we caught a, like a bass of some sort and they didn't want to just let it, you know, suffocate or whatever like that. So we heard that you can hit it with a tool, you know, like a, like, exactly what you're like a screwdriver, you know? So my sons got one of these like 
dollar store screwdrivers, a little bit bigger probably than an eyeglass screwdriver, but not a full-fledged, you know, good screwdriver. And they probably whacked this fish on the head probably 150 (laughs) times. So talk about torture. Inhumane. (laughs) That's where my horse, you know, that's why I'm wondering about, we should have just shot the fish. All right, so, Allison, you talk about when you're 38, you start taking care of your skin. Right. I'm going to call BS on that. What does that mean? I love women. I've got five daughters. I've got a wife. I've got a female dog. I love women. I don't know any women that say they didn't take care of their face before they were 38 years old. When I mean taking care of it, I used to be a sun worshiper. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad. I mean, I'm from the South. If you can't hear it in, in my accent, we go to the beaches and we lay in the sun. And so when I... No, you can't do that. Right. So when I say take care of my skin, it's not about just looking younger. It's really about improving the health of your skin. And it's a total, you know, it sounds salesy, but until I got into this kind of company, it is our largest organ and we completely take it for granted. And so that's, that's part of what the education is that I like to give women and to build those relationships and to like instill this education on them that, you know, we are in this society of Botox and, um, you know, and, and surgery and, and, and I am not throwing shade at that. What I'm saying is age gracefully that my, my mantra and mission is age gracefully, but while you're doing it, don't just look good. Like I really want people to improve the nutrition and health of their skin. So that's what I focused on. You're not attacking me for using Botox, but you're saying there are other ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes sense about the sun. Were you still, were you, you probably weren't doing as much sun stuff, but are you saying that even through your thirties, you weren't maybe watching your skin as carefully and so on? Yeah. I mean, I would put on sunscreen, maybe, maybe just on my face when I went to the beach. And I mean, maybe once, you know. That kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you're at the beach, you want to relax. And it was just not something I was focused on. So I really think it was just more about bringing the attention to the focus of, I have a daughter now. You know, I want to take care of her skin because as a mother, that's my most important job. And I was like, well, my God, what am I doing to my skin? And so then I was like, you know, I'm I'm grateful to have good skin. Um, I haven't battled some really tough things and concerns and issues that a lot of my customers have. And and I love to help them through that. But for me, it was more of like, let me take care of what I've got and let me improve the nutrition to it. That's really what it started for me as. Allison, you do this in the last year. Did you have other business ideas leading up to this? Were you also open to a business? A hundred percent. No, really. You mean you, you were like, I got to find something. I'm going to make it. You didn't have any business inclinations. Not one, not even 1%. I'm not talking for this. No, nothing. I had had a couple of people and it was more family members approach me and say, Hey, as a pharmacist, don't you want to own your own pharmacy one day? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't. I what's crazy. And I think this is probably, I mean, I think as people, like we should always be growing and like figuring out new things about ourselves. And that's a new thing for me in the past couple of years, honestly, and not one even grain of sand percentage. Did I ever think about being an entrepreneur? 
it was something that actually, it actually scares me a little bit because I like to know where my quality of life and living is coming from. That's equated to money. That's financially, I like to be financially aware of what's going on. That That's just who I am. So this is, this is crazy really when it comes to the business and finance side for me of I think about it a lot, actually. I'm like, I don't even have a piece of me that thought about being an entrepreneur, a business owner, or having these crazy ideas about, I'm going to make it. I'm going to create my name. Yes, I'm an achiever. Yes, I'm someone who likes to put their name on the mark. But it was more of, let me just be a really great pharmacist. I want to be a really great mother. I had a daughter. I want to take care of her skin. Well, my God, I need to take care of my skin. And it started with this one serum. And I was like, I can make that. Like, why am I paying $150 for that? Why are people... So not they're marketed to in a way that is the higher the cost, the better it is. And that's not the case, you know. And so my goal is to really give them things to improve their skin that are accessible in cost, but accessible to anyone. But they build a relationship with the product, but with the, the maker, me, to know that I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I can talk you through this. Let me help you through it if you trust me. That's really where it started. I think it started with relationships for me. You would never have described yourself as creative? So it's funny you ask that. I was creative. All right. So it depends on what you think creative is. I, I think that there's diff- different definitions of creative. My mind, I think of creative as arts, right? That's just for 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 good or bad i think of creative as arts and poetry and music and drawing and all these kind of things i used to be uh, love art i loved art i won a couple of little art competitions when i was younger you know and it was you know young like this is like 8 or under you know and i loved loved drawing and painting loved it And something happened and it was in that early age. It's not like a trauma or anything. It was more of like something happened where a gear switched in my head. And I think I know when it was, but not the actual moment. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I before and and see marine biologist is where it started. And then it went into vet when I became a competitive horse woman. Um, I wanted to save all the whales and dolphins. I wanted to save them all. I wanted to be not even an oceanographer. I wanted to be a marine biologist. And as a child, what that means is very different than what it truly means. It's a lot of research. I was just thinking I was going to swim with the whales and dolphins and, you know, and save them. I remember this so vividly. There was a a point and there was one night where I, this sounds so crazy. Uh, so you might want to cut this out. I don't know. Usually this part of don't cut out. No, it's a, I, I was holding, gosh, how old was I? I wasn't even old enough to like wear makeup, but like, this is when you're old enough to like play in your mother's makeup, right? I was like six or seven and I had this little tiny sample size of blush. When I was a kid though, they called it rouge. Rouge. Well, that's because it was cream. You know what rouge is today? Rouge is taking your lipstick and rubbing it on your cheeks and rubbing it in. That's rouge. Oh, blush is the powder. Blush is the powder. But rouge is a blush that you put on your cheeks, but it's in a cream form. And so I remember having this little travel size of blush and I was sitting there and I think I had just read or like seen something on TV, you know, as a kid or something about the whales and something about um, saving the planet and something about harsh chemicals. I don't even know what it was. And I was sitting there and I was just picking apart this blush and looking at like 
the color filaments in it and thinking, where does that come from? Is that good? Is that bad? I mean, this is so crazy, but what is that? And I was like, you know, you didn't have Google back then. I was like, I'll go to my Encyclopedia Britannica (laughs) and start on rouge slash blush. And let me see, like, how is it made? And what is it? What's in it? And does that hurt animals? And so I just remember starting that, you know, and, um, and so I think that that creative edge somehow in that piece switched for me to where I started to focus on the how it's made, like how it's made the the mechanical pieces of things. And somehow it overtook that creative piece. This company is it's taking like all this science and this pharmacy background and chemistry background that feeds that mechanical piece of that makes me tick. I create everything I have. And I've created a lot of things that don't work. I don't take a a recipe that someone gave me. Like it is a lot of sitting and and piecing. And I've made some disgusting things, some horrible things. And then I create something amazing with active ingredients that works great. And I see an effect on people's skin. And so it marries that creative edge, I think. Your chemistry and psychology and then into pharmacy, would you have labeled that as being in your mind was any of that creative when you were doing it or did you feel it was almost the opposite you were kind of spitting back stuff I saw those as as very um very black and white uh, math and science type things yeah so Allison at 40 this was your destiny to find this creativity in this business I'm not trying to be like, woo, out there. Like, I truly feel like I'm I'm coming into a full circle moment for myself. I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. So while you thought you were finding something good for your skin and for your daughter, mm-hmm. what was happening is your creativity side of being this little girl with the art and stuff. But then you got deep into it and now you're finding your art again. It's definitely not lost on me. So, Allison... Your love of the people and love of the product and your natural charisma is going to take you in the line of not only being like this leader of this big company, but you're also going to be the face of this company moving forward. Now, here's the question that you have to ask yourself. And like five years from now, you're going to be basically in meetings with four or five people. And then you're going to be spending half your time with the photo shoots and being on the Today Show and being on QVC. And and then, you know, medical wise, you're going to be there with Dr. Oz talking about this stuff. And then you might even be on... um Who's the ball? Dr. Phil. You might even be on his with your with your psychology degree and stuff like that. My point is, this is going to really start moving fast. And the question you'll have to ask yourself is, do you just go with all that? You know what I mean? Because pharmacy is out of the question because that ended in 2022. This is 2025 now. Do you do all that and then say... Yeah, but I'm going to force myself to do these certain things. Or do you jump out of the business before it gets 
that big and sell it and repeat what you're doing now because you loved your kitchen days so much? You know, that kind of thing. What do you do when this gets huge? I love slash hate thinking about this exact thing because I, I do this a lot, like in my, in those one to 2 a.m. moments, you know what I mean? Um I mean, I listen, I'm sitting right now in my dining room and you can't even see what is what I'm looking at. <laughs> you know, And I've taken plenty of pictures to remind myself of where I came from. That is one thing. What are we looking at? Uh, boxes or I, you're looking you're looking at um, shelves of raw material, um, finished product, um, packaging, um Orders on the table on each side of this laptop that you and I are talking about um, that are going to be packaged tonight and labeled and shipped out. Like it's it's all it's all consuming in this room. Um, and I take pictures of it to remind me always. And and I I came from a really wonderful mother and father. They have taught me to never forget where you come from. And that is something I will instill in my child. And, and I think that that is a life lesson for it doesn't matter where you go. It does not matter. And I think that a lot of people lose that. And for me, I, that is something that is at the center of who I am. So when it comes to a company, this is where it's very much a catch-22 for me in these conversations I was saying that I think about at night. I'm an achiever. And usually they either implode or they stay going up. The next best thing, and that could be anything. It doesn't just mean with growing a company. It could be you're the best mom, you're the best pharmacist, you're you're the best looking person in a room. That's the honor that I take now. But I'm just in my office by myself. When my <laughs> Labrador comes in, she's gonna win. <laughs> but that that for me personally, like I can only speak from where my mind is, is that I know now that I'm very well aware through the psychology and. And, and awareness of, of what this lens is that I see people through and myself and how my, my actions is that this is who I'm programmed to be. Moving up still. Moving up. I don't think that moving up is always a good thing if you're not aware and try to stay some sort of grounded in that. Well, what does that look like? It's different for everybody. And I think that is what I will consistently try my best to be aware of, to always have a pulse on, because that's how you keep reinventing yourself as you, as you get older. I mean, you and I are not meant to be the people we are right now in 20 years. We should ideally be more open, better, more rounded, deeper people. The only thing that's going to be open in 20 years for me is my casket at my viewing. <laughs> When I think back, like that story I just told you about, like being a little girl, and I remember where I was. I was sitting in a closet in my house, you know, on the ground, this little blush. And um, and I think I just lost it for a long time because I focused me personally on what I thought math and science was. And now I've come full circle, like you said. That's where my heart always is. I always want to have a piece of creation, of a piece of the creative edge of whatever this business looks like. I want to create. Uh, that is where I'm happiest. Um, the people around me that have seen this just in a year um, that are usually, you know, close friends and family, but they see the passion I have and they see me like in my element as I'm creating. They're like, you are meant to create. Let me get clarification on this. When you say create, though, could that mean in four years you're creating your corporate board and how and how well you treat those people? And then you're creating what you want to paint on the side of your corporate jet. I mean, you're not just talking <laughs> about creating 
formulas. You say you want to be creative in the process. Yes. If you're me, once you create, you might want to move on. Once you got the jet painted, you might want to move on to some other project. Is that right? I think that all of that is open to interpretation because like I said, I don't know what this will look like in four years. I know what it looks like now. I know what I would like for it to look like. And it's going to look completely different than I even think I want it to look like then. And I think that there are going to be times where I'm really going to have to pull those reins back. Like I said, I keep saying these horse. It's so funny. I'm just realizing I have a lot of, a lot of horse, <laughs> horse yes, analogy, <laughs> yeah. but it's true. Like there's going to be times where, because I am this steady, I'm growing, my arms going up where you can go too fast and literally lose everything that was the site and the purpose for why you started something. But as long as it's a creation that makes me feel fulfilled, that's really what it is. And right now, fulfillment for me is literally with three beakers, a tiny little scale, measuring in grams and mixing some stuff up. What would be a really cool day for you? You'd wake up. What would you do? Where would you go? How many people would you see? What kind of decisions would you be making? When would you come home? Explain that day to me 10 years from now. All right. So I'm about to be 40. So let's say I'm I'm turning 50. And at this particular moment, what, again, to each his own, right? To each his own. You're the one that likes to go up to the shoulder in a horse. Me, not so much. I've never tried it. Maybe I would enjoy it. I think we've got the point across to each his own. It's being able to wake up and not be rushed in the morning to sit down and have breakfast with my family. That is a foreign thing. And let me enjoy a great cup of coffee. Okay. So then it is getting to the barn and riding horses and not being on a time crunch to ride horses, but bringing probably my daughter along to teach. That is a piece for me. And it's not just going to a barn where I'm boarding a horse. It's on my own land. There is there is cathartic pieces for how I grew up. And it definitely ties into me as an adult. Um, after that, it's having a really awesome lunch with a friend that's a long lunch, like a good lunch. I, I'm a foodie. I love to try new places. It'd be a new place every day. After that, it would be creating. It would be whatever it takes in this business. Go, let's say I've got a warehouse full of workers. It would be going there and checking in on everybody. What can I help with? What can I have my hands on? Those type of things. After that, let's say it's a Friday. Okay. I want to have a place where I go retreat. And it looks different for everybody. For me, my husband and I, before we had our daughter and before I started this company, big travelers. It's not it's not relaxation. I don't relax well. Okay. I don't sit well. For me, it would be going to where I am constantly in awe. Whatever that looks like, I'm in awe of where I'm at. So my brain is still appreciating where I am. Now, granted, we're in the United States, but for me, that is Africa, Bali, and Italy. Those are the places I've been that that have literally consumed me with awe at this point in my life. So I would love to be able to have not the not have a place there. I'd love to have the freedom, the freedom the financial freedom, the time freedom, the guilt freedom, everything that comes with that freedom to go to be in awe. So that business part is taking up like three hours. Yeah. And to do that, that means that you have grown it. And like that creative edge that you're talking about, it has morphed into a different piece of creativity, right? 
so it doesn't look like I'm back in the lab and I'm mixing. And that's why I said I really still want to have a piece of that 10 years from now. And a piece of that could be once a month. I'm in there all day with the chemist that are mixing the products that I created. And they're like, hey, I had a cool idea about this. I'm like, well, let's look at it. Like, I want to create, I want my brain to be still flowing in that manner, you know, and in discussion with those people. So yes, I still want to be like having my finger on that in a lab and it, it looks different. I don't know what the time frame would be. Maybe once every couple of weeks, maybe once a month. But I think it's more the freedom, the freedom of waking up with being able to breathe in the morning because I don't know that feeling. I, I get up and it's I'm, I'm going and it's not new. That's how I've been my whole life. Assuming they didn't need you, you wouldn't desire to have any communication with the business till like noon. You don't have a need to get up and immediately jump on that stuff. Well, I mean, it's funny that you say that. I don't have I, I don't have the desire, right? But the thing is, is that I'm an autopilot. I go straight to that. So the minute I get up, I'm literally, you know, like, I don't know how to do that. And so I think a piece of like what you're asking me is to actually be at the place personally, to have let go of that in the morning. I mean, I've been at the business for, you know, back and forth to college and different jobs, but basically I've been at the pharmacy for, you know, 40 years. And so when Margaret and I talk about retirement, it's like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to want to do. I mean, I've been so used to Mm -hmm. getting up and having the first two hours of my day just really creative, just thinking of business stuff. And I love that part of the day and, you know, being on the computer and things like that. And, and at the same time, I complain about it, you know, that I'm, that I have to do that, but I have no idea. You're kind of in the same boat. You don't, you do that now and you dream about not doing it, but it'd be interesting to see if you'd still want to do it, right? Could I let go of it? Or would you want to? Maybe not. That's actually a really, I mean, that's a pertinent question to ask because when I say I want to do these things, like what I want to do, I want to get up and have, you know, a a breakfast where I'm enjoying my family. And then I want to go, you know, ride horses and then have a nice lunch. And then I, and then I start to really dive into my business. Piece of wanting that is to actually be at the place to accept that. And, 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 and you don't know what you don't know. I know what I want to do. Same for you. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we would do in retirement because, for instance, when I go on trips, let, let's take, for instance, before, you know, you have kids and then vacations are really, you're just traveling. You're, you're, it's not vacating, you know, and, um, and, and let's say you stay gone really for a week. It used to be that we were gone for like two to three weeks. Now I'm still the same person, but now I've I've kicked it up a notch being a mom and, and owning a business. But I still, even then, even before all this stuff, I didn't know how to like woosa until about four, three to four days in. I'm not a I'm not a sit on the beach typer. I'm not a um go in the minute, I'm not a staycationer. I do not staycation. Do not give me a day off and expect me not to literally make it the most 
aggressive, efficient day. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what that's like to staycation. I appreciate people that are like that. So for me, we'd be going these two or three week long trips and I didn't know how to relax per se, which for me means to let go of the things that were hanging on of my to-do list and the things waiting on me until three to four days in. So personally, I think 10 years from now to be able to do these things and I'm outlining for you is really more or less to be the person who is accepting that mentally and your sanity wise and your relaxation wise. It's kind of the place you want to be kind of the place you think you want to be and kind of the person you think you want to be, but you may not be, you don't know. You have to leave your options open. You may not be. Through a lot, through a lot of self-reflection and through a lot of growth and a lot of like introspection, you can get there. But if, if you let like your autopilot of whatever our personalities are take over, you really don't get there because you're never dialed into how you grow into that. Let's say retirement. My goal would be to be at a point where I have a lot of options. I don't know who I am really because I've never had the freedom to to have that pressure off. That's a very truthful statement and a large statement. You know, we tend, I feel like we're getting way into psychology here, but I love this. I mean, because, because it's so, because it's true. And, and as a society and Western civilization, we are built on commerce, building money, you know, growth, achievement, just like all the things I just said, but we lose sight of the things that grow you as a person. And you, you actually take for granted, you get one chance to do it. Like you, we get one life and I'm, I'm very well aware of this. Like I'm not great at this, but I'm aware there's a lot of things right now that, that I'm, I, I battle personally in, um, you know, certain things I want to do or certain things I need to handle, but I'm not giving it the time to handle because I'm over here that hamster on the wheel spinning it, you know, out of control. Um, so I think that that's really true that for you to say that's a big statement. And I appreciate the honesty for you to say, I want to have a lot of options because I truly don't know who I might be at that place. That it, you're not alone. There's so many people that are like that that don't even know that that's who they are. They don't even know that they don't know who they are because they have been in this cycle for so long that when you take the cycle away, it terrifies the hell out of a lot of people. Well, it does. Yeah, and and you and you see that people dropping dead a lot of times after they retire. Look at some European countries. They work their work day might be a couple of hours, and then they take a long lunch and drink a bottle of wine and take a nice nap. And then they wake up and enjoy their friends and they might open their business back up and they might not. But the thing is, is that they find pleasure in their daily quality of their life. I think that as our society, we tend to swing the opposite way. And I want to, I'm not saying I want to have a lunch and have a bottle of wine every day and take a nap. I mean, it sounds great, but I want to be to the place where I'm just like you. I want those options. And I want to know that I'm at the place where I can take a breath and appreciate the moment I'm in. If you go online and look at trends of people, what they do, 
you know, besides some people like Colonel Sanders or something who started this when he was 65, you know, he started Kentucky Fried Chicken. Besides him, most people follow a pretty similar pattern. So you at 40 are on right on that pattern. And when you get to be the ripe old age of 54, you'll have a little bit clearer projection maybe. But then again, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So... I feel like every 10 years for me personally, I'm doing a reinvention and I don't know for everybody it's different. For me, I think it's a 10 year pattern is what I'm seeing so far. Um, but my gosh, I mean, I wouldn't, if I would have married half the people I was dating when I was in my twenties, one of us would probably be dead in a ditch somewhere, you know? So it's just a perspective change. And so you have a perspective that is completely different from mine. And I'm so thankful for it because you can impart questions for people and, and, um, and experiential, you know, statements and advice and things like that to help people change their perspective when they get to that place. Well, Allison, congratulations on things. Thank you, Mike. I've really enjoyed talking to you. This is uh, really exciting. I'm glad I had a chance to get you in the first year instead of <laughs> you maybe not being able to fit me in coming up here pretty soon. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. I'm appreciative. Thanks, Allison. Take care. Thanks, you too. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes. Thank you.